<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Got another dude! What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Dudes to the right, dudes to the left, stuck in the middle with you. Got another dude! Heisman Trophy, Bronco Nagurski Award, Ultimate Dudes. Got another dude! O-Line U, bunch of dudes. Lot of dudes. Yeah! Another dude in the house! Welcome to the Lot of Dudes podcast, presented by 4th and Dude. Brought to you by Boston College 24-7 and Armchair All-Americans, Season 3, Week 3. The Eagles avoided getting caught in the spider's web on Saturday, taking care of business against Richmond with a convincing 45-13 victory. A.J. Dillon led a potent offensive attack, racking up 518 yards of total offense, as the maroon and gold jumped out to a 21-0 first quarter lead and never looked back. On today's episode, we'll recap how the Eagles defanged the spiders, talk dude or pood, and preview the Friday Night Light Showdown against the Kansas Jayhawks this weekend. Matt, I know it's FCS and and not the most exciting Saturday, but the birds are still undefeated, and that's all that matters. You can't control who's on your schedule. You just play the games in front of you. Uh, and you can't get to 15-0 without starting 2-0, so no complaints from me. 2-0, by the way, for the second consecutive year. And yes. The fourth time in the Daz era. So how about that? Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, normally because it's like UMass Holy Cross, but the fact that we have an ACC win included in there is, is certainly a bonus. We have a ton to get to today on this short week. We're dealing with a short week, just like the players and coaches are. But before we get into it, today's Richmond recap is brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. Matt, as I'm sure we'll discuss, we got absolutely hosed on the birds, minus 33 and a half. But the over did hit, which still keeps us at three and one on the year. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you would take the money. So why do you keep listening to our winners and not betting on them. That's why you got to go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. They've got all kinds of props, live betting, parlays, futures, you name it. No matter your style, the football season is the best time of the year to be betting, period. So you don't want to miss out on any of the action. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Matt, credit to both of us. We are seeing the board so clearly right now, both for BC and college football at large. Uh, I think we're both right near the top of our weekly spreads pool. Um, and a little spoiler alert because our predictions are coming much later on, but I love the birds again this week. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's an absolute no. What is it, 18 and a half? Or maybe it's yep. already up to, to It's 20. up to 21 and a half, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'll save it for my pood, but the what Richmond did in that last minute was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it's criminal. There should be a, there should legitimately be an SEC investigation. It was wrong. It, it was it was the most. And, and Dewey's. Oh, I'll say I'll save it for. Uh, I'll save it we, for got my lot, we got a lot. We got a lot of grievances today for yeah. a, for an FCS thirty point win. But yeah, yeah that, we'll, that really we'll was the story of the game because there wasn't much <laughs> else going on. But but let's let's recap Richmond because I guess we have to. So obviously this was you know a glorified scrimmage, and, and you don't like to read into FCS schools. Everyone remembers 2015 when we beat Howard. What was it 76 to nothing? Yeah. And uh, later that year, we ended up going three and nine. So, <laughs> so these games tell you literally nothing about anything. So, anyone trying to read into into, into anything here, um, just just stop doing it. With that yeah, said, I... with that said, here are a few takeaways. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it was great to get off, you know, to a great start. So, so the offense, you know, so Zay had that 46 yard jet sweep that was, you know, four or five plays in. It was almost too quick for those of us that couldn't figure out how uh, how to stream the game. More on that to come as well. Um, but I'll tell you, so so obviously last year, slow starts was a problem for this football team. And to uh, to get touchdowns in five out of your first six drives, that's a pretty good way to do it. And Matt, first half through the first two games, the Eagles have racked up 730 yards of offense and 63 points. Not bad. Not, 
Not bad at all. Yeah, I saw some grumblings on Twitter and the message boards that people were unhappy with the performance. But like you said, the bottom line is you just cannot take anything from these FCS games positively or negatively, right? I mean, as you said with with Howard, like we can't take anything positive from that. And I don't even know what people really got that negative about this game, but I thought it was just the performance that we needed just to take care of business against a severely inferior opponent, opponent, never close, um, get out of there healthy, as we'll mention. Now, one thing I've actually been pretty excited about over these first two games is Dylan's I would say sharing the workload, maybe against Vatek was a little bit, you know, more by design of, you know, mixing it up a little bit because because Vatek was keying in on them. But his carries are down about 25% through the first two games last year, or rather through UMass and Wake last year. So games one and three, which are, I think, more comparable, you know, to Vatek and Richmond. So overall, I think it's, it's good. We saw him get a little bit overworked last year. So I think spreading it out a little bit, he's got 40 carries in the year so far, sharing the love with Bailey and Levy and, and our guy Garwo, you know, I think has, has overall been something that I'm, I'm happy to see. And I think will, again, help us. We got to play 15 games this year. People aren't talking about that. So you really got to spread them out. That's a good point. And it, it is a testament to, you know, the recruiting in the, in the tailback position. I mean, BC legitimately has one of the best stable running backs, and Bailey has absolutely emerged as a more than capable number two. He would start for a lot of football teams, so uh, I think you're exactly right. And and it, you know against Richmond, obviously, you want to get Dylan out of the game as as, as quick as possible because you know you want to save him for that back half and make sure he's 100 percent healthy. Uh, fully agree with you there, and and that's really what the Eagles sort of did. I mean, they they a lot of people were you know had issues with with AB. The fact of the matter is. You know, this this was a game plan that was built to run. Our offensive line was going to dominate Richmond. This is what you do with an FCS opponent. You, you, you go vanilla, you overpower them, and uh, and that's what they did. They racked up what was it three hundred and fifty something yards of of uh, you know total running def- uh, total running offense, and, and that's you know it's really the way it should be. I, I don't want to show Kansas or, or anyone anything exactly, um, that we right? don't need yeah. to. So between Dylan. Bailey Garhol got in and got in there at the end as, as you saw and not just running the ball but also you know getting out in space and catching the football and working on some things I mean again this was a scrimmage you work on stuff like that so you can you know you can whip it out against you know you know more uh, challenging opponents but overall I think that was the perfect way to do it let the O-line dominate open up the holes and the, the holes were wide open uh, Dylan and Bailey weren't touched a lot of the time so I think it was a pretty complete performance offensively if you want to nitpick Brown you certainly can. He made a couple questionable throws, but again, if you're if you're going to read that much into an FCS uh, game, then you get too much time on your hands. They got out of there with a with a convincing win, and uh, and we're on to Kansas. Yeah, exactly. I think the other thing that I did like to see was with the underlying theme of we're not taking too much from this. I did like to see, like you said, throwing the ball to the running backs, specifically Dylan had a couple of them, but that's a weapon that I think has always kind of been talked about as like a weakness for his game and, and just something that we don't really attack. But I know it was something that he was working very hard on in the off season. And so far through the first two games, we've seen a little bit of that. I think that's a, a very nice extra wrinkle for us to have. It will open up the running game. It will open up the deep ball. It will open up, you know, Brown on the ground. There's a ton of things that will do. And then the other thing, Matt, that I was you know very positive on was the kicking game which is I would say one uh, you know one of the phases that you actually could read a little bit into boomer drilled the 30 yarder which you know shouldn't be an accomplishment of the big picture but at BC if you can drill a 30 yarder straight through that's that's awesome and he looked good on all six extra points I think there was one that might have been a little hairy but still went through six for six so that's overall a very positive sign like we talked about last week he did miss that one you know 40 or 45 yarder but it, it wasn't a, a horrible horrible miss so overall he's definitely getting a passing grade from me so far which is again, going to be crucial if we get into these, you know, late season and, and, you know, close games. Yeah. hundred percent. And on that note, well, I guess let's talk defense too. I mean, it, it was a pretty, pretty solid performance. There were a couple breakdowns, I think on that touchdown. Right. And again, we're, we're still nitpicking here because nitpicking, yep. this stuff happens. You get a little complacent against a team like Richmond, but, but that touchdown on, you know, middle of the field, I think it was a breakdown in coverage between just a miscommunication between the linebackers and the secondary, Obviously, you know, that can't happen against better opponents, but, you know, better that it happens here than, than otherwise. But overall, it was a pretty solid performance. I thought the linebackers stepped up huge. Max Richardson in particular had, a, had another great game. Sacks. Sacks Richardson. That's, jeez, man, I suck at, at remembering on, his name. I know, that's bad. <laughs> if there is one negative, I, I do want to pick on the defensive line a little bit. This is one of those teams that you just, you really have to, you know, again, these these are, our D-line are, are three and four star recruits. 
And, uh, you know, Richmond's obviously not, and they don't have a lot of scholarships to go around. So this should be a lopsided matchup. And I didn't really see that. And part of it is, you know, Richmond has this gimmicky offense where, you know, they have the mobile quarterback and, you know, they had a pretty good game plan, all things considered. But, you know, it would have been good to see our D-line get in there, get pressure. Um, I think they only had one or two sacks all game. So. No, I think they had no sacks. They got a couple hits, but I don't think there was a single sack on the board. You know, I, I thought that, but then couple ES- tackles for ESPN.com loss. had a sack, so it, it messed me up, Matt. Oh, I think, maybe it might have been like a quarterback run or something. Yeah, right, yeah. I, th- I think you're exactly right. But anyway, the, the point being, you know, it would have been good to see, you know, guys like like Yergin. And, and, and maybe we're just spoiled. We're used to seeing, you know, dominant DNs like, you know, Zach Allen, obviously, Harold Landry, etc. But it seems like the pressure this year is really coming from the linebackers, which makes sense to an extent. I mean, Bill Sheridan's a linebacker guy. And, you know, the way that he draw, draws up the blitz, it just se- it seems to come from the linebackers rather than, you know, off the end. And whether that's a that's a talent thing or, or a game plan thing, I'm probably not qualified to speak on. But you know, you like to you'd like to see a better performance up front just to make sure that we are we're we're heading in the right direction, we're improving. So to nitpick again, I think that would be one area that I was a little disappointed in. But outside of that, you know, they got the job done, and again, they held them to, held them to 13 points. Wish it was 10 for for my wallet's sake, but uh, <laughs> you know, overall, not much to complain about. Yeah, I'm with you. Do you want to segue? I think like that's a nice segue into some of your grievances here with that uh, wishing you held them to 10. You want to just go right into it? Yeah. So my pood mat is not covering the spread. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it was just, and everyone saw it. And, and for those that had money on the game, it kind of it snuck up on you. And uh, and I thought BC 33 and a half. I thought that was you know, an, an, uh, an aggressive line just because, you know, you figure you go up early, you take the starters out and then, you know, you, it's third strings against starters and, you know, letdowns happen, whatever. But I felt pretty good about 33 and a half, pretty much the whole game, Matt. And then uh, all of a sudden, you know, we're getting ready to close up the, the tab at Dewey's. All of a sudden, Richmond's driving down the field. And it's like, it's like wait a second, this isn't going to happen, is it? And, and the game's out of hand. You know, we're up, we're up, what, 40, 45 to 10 at that point? And Mancuso treats it like it's the most important thing in the world. Whoever was quarterback at that point and the whole team was in on like, hey, we got to get three points. We got to screw over Matt number two and make sure that he doesn't win his cover. And uh, they call the timeout, which you don't do when you're usually down by, you know, when you're down by what, 40, 30 points, whatever. You don't typically call timeouts. You just you want the game to be over. You move on. And, you know, thank you for the payday. And and we're out of here. See ya. But Richmond decided, hey, we're going to we're going to. Call timeouts. We're going to do a, a one-minute drill. And the kicker, who, you know, I don't know why he's not on our team, just drills the 45-yarder right down the middle. I, like, any, like nothing we've ever seen before. Like, yeah, I, it, was, it was an amazing ice, kick. It was an Adam Vinatieri kick. Right in our yeah. face. Dewey's yeah. went silent. And, and I've never seen that before. And it was just, Matt, that's my pood. And, it, it's, um, and, you know, our investigators are looking into it. It's it's an active, ongoing investigation, whether the Richmond guys had money on the game. And it's not just thir- the 33 and a half cover. It's also the over, right? I think the over hit as a result it of that, It did hit too. the over. That was a good thing, because we did say go on the over. So overall, you know, we ended up going net-net minus the VIG, I guess. But overall, it wasn't the end of the world. But for those who are not getting into the over-unders, who are just going straight up Eagles, you know, uh, minus the points, like, yeah, that sucks. It was horrible. It was irresponsible for them to call a timeout. You're risking injury for your players going against bigger and stronger guys. They're, I mean, that coach honestly should have been fired on the spot for that move. It's just, opinion. it's such a dagger when you chalk it up as a win and you move yep. on and you're. We said, I sent the victory tweet out. I sent the victory tweet out both for the game and obviously that incorporates the spread as well. And then three minutes later, no longer is, is it a fully stress free Saturday. Uh, uh, just unbel- and, and to do it from a from 45 yards when you're right, right. when's the last time bc had a 45 yarder so that, that one hurt a little extra but that's all right we'll double down on kansas and like you said it's a favorable spread so we'll uh we'll bet the mortgage on kansas and, and go from there so switching gears back to the positive side my dude for this week uh is staying healthy like we talked about in these fcs games a lot of it is just you're hoping to get some reps for some of the younger guys, trying to work on a couple of different things. But the big thing that you need to avoid in these games is is injuries. And we did just that. Um, came out of it completely healthy. Again, these are just like practice and summer camp. You just got to take care of business and avoid injuries. On to the next one. There's nothing that you want to see less, much like you don't want to see someone tear an ACL in practice. It's just as bad if you're – not that it's ever a good time to tear an ACL, but it's especially – awful when you're doing it against a team that you're going to run out of the building by 35 points so everyone stayed healthy no no one went down and did like AB, we've talked uh, about bang up his nose at one point did that happen or did i dream that uh his helmet got ripped off i think on a run and yeah. it looked wildly uncomfortable 
but that's just aesthetics. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I was you never really concerned. Yeah, but you never. I mean, I'm sure he does fine with the ladies at Boston College, regardless of if his nose is you know completely banged up in five different ways. AB is married to the game. He has no time for that. Good point. Very good point. Love to see that. Uh, what's your positivity for the week here? Okay, so this is switching gears a little bit here. My dude, and I wrote this down a few days ago, and I'm I'm coming back to it now. This kind of seems like a hot take now, but the Red Sox being eliminated from playoff contention is my dude. Okay. Hear me out, Matt. Okay. Um, if you recall last year, right, the uh, the BC Miami game conflicted with, I believe it was Game Three of the World Series, uh, Red Sox Dodgers, and I, I would just prefer, you know, if we're going on the road to Charlotte, if we're going to be fifteen and zero, I'd like the city of Boston to be behind us. And mid October is really when the hype is going to build for this football team when we're seven and zero heading into Clemson. So I'd like to not have to compete with sort of a kind of a bullshit Red Sox playoff push. So, you know, call it a silver lining, call it a hot take, because I think I actually mean it, which is not, a you know, being a good Red Sox fan. But we won last year. We don't need to win every year. I mean, this is BC's year to, you know, to, to go to Charlotte and all that. So so that's my dude. The fact that the city of Boston, you know, there's there's no other distractions. It will be this Boston College football team being 7-0, heading to Clemson with the whole city behind them. It's actually not. That's, that's, that's not your worst take, to be completely honest. I was a little shocked when you first said it. Uh, if you think back to in 2007, when we were ranked number two in the country, that was, again, right in the middle of a, of a World Series run there as well. So to have, you know, again, you think about it in the fall in the in the city of Boston, like the Patriots, you know, obviously people care about them on Sundays, but those these games don't really matter for the Patriots until the AFC Championship. So there is a there is definitely a void to be filled. And this might just be BC's year. So I, I love your. I love your outlook on that. That's I feel a good, really good about that. That's one. a good dude for me. I feel good about that one too. Yeah, that's a strong one. Again, my my pood is off the football field as well. So Lynn Swan, the athletic director at USC, was fired earlier in the week. Pete Thamel put out a report listing short list of candidates that USC would be considering, and of course, none other than our best friend Martin Jarman was on that list. So my pood is just the athletic director carousel and rumors. We talked about this before in the coaching search, but. There is nothing worse than when you have, you know, especially a blue blood pro- program like USC, and you know that they're circling the waters, and your guy is is one of the fish uh, in that pond. So, Martin, please don't go. You've done so much in your time here at BC, and and you have so much left to accomplish here. The people love you. I know you love the city of Boston. Uh, I think I don't know if there's any podcast host that would have as much of as an affinity to you in LA. They don't care about sports in LA. They care about sports in Boston. So please don't go, but that's my pood is even having to worry about that. We've got enough to worry about over the course of this season and and there's going to be enough stress for us week in and week out. The last thing I need to do is now have to worry about our future president uh, who's currently our athletic director going completely across the country for a program that I think I kind of hate. Yeah, and and it would be an aggressive move. I mean, it's sure it's I'm sure he'd get a nice, you know, payday and USC has probably a little more prestige than Boston College does. I'm willing to admit that. But you have a lot more to gain at a place like BC where the expectations are much lower. And, you know, I think he's done a pretty good job fulfilling them to this point. But I don't think his work here is done. I think you'd like to see, you know, through, through, you know, whether it's whatever this football team does, whatever the basketball team does, whether it's finding a new facilities, coach. where we need basketball facilities. Also, we need new new uniforms and new logos. That's like his undertaking, and he hasn't had a chance to do that yet. Right. It, it, I kind of get the feeling that he's, you know, he's obviously a tireless worker, and he's done a ton on social media, communicates with the fans as well as anyone in the country. And I can get why he'd be an attractive hire. Obviously, he's done great things here, but it's a lot different going from going to a place like BC, where again, I mean, whatever you can do positive, and, and you talk about like the, the tailgate restrictions, you know, beer in the stadium. He's already done a million good things that previous ADs haven't been able to do. Um, but you go to a place like USC and, you know, they expect to win championships across the board in, in, in every sport. And uh, and they have issues, you know, when you, you know, when you talk about the Varsity Blues scandal, they get all sorts of things that Lynn Swan hasn't been able to uh, to deal with. So I think that that's, you know, while an attractive job and I'm sure you'll get paid handsomely, I think there's a lot off the field that he would have to deal with that, you know, I, I personally wouldn't want to. Yeah, I would be the USCAD if they asked me to, obviously. But um, I, th- I think there would be a lot. Does your current co- does your current company know that? I feel like you should share that with your accounting bosses <laughs> and just let them know that you're on the market. I'm just saying, if they ask, I'll think about yeah, it. Okay. But uh, <laughs> no, but but you know, obviously, the hope is that that you know MJ wants to wants to finish what he started. I guess is the point. Yeah, I agree. I think you talk about a little bit 
he's he's come in here and he's ingrained himself so much in the Boston College community. And I think a lot of us now look at him, you know, we associate him with, with Boston College in a major way now. The unfortunate reality is that he's not, you know, a BC guy, uh, you know, I guess, I guess, you know, by nature, right? He didn't go to school here. He didn't kind of earn his earn his chops here, so to speak. He's only been here for a couple of years. So no, it would not shock me if he went out to a prestigious program. But it's so funny to think about, like from our perspective, you and I were the were the athletic director at Boston College. Like they could double our salaries and I still don't think we would even consider going, right? So it's like a different mindset of someone who is ultimately trying to climb the ranks. So if he does go, I, I, I certainly would not blame him. And that's what I think is going to make this process so hard because it's not like, oh, there's a 0% chance it happens. I'm going to be very stressed out until USC you know, comes up with the, with the favorite. But hopefully they want to stick with someone in the Pac-12, someone with West Coast experience, someone with football hiring experience because I guess Clay Helton's 2-0 and right now. But there's a good chance that within the next two or three years, if not you know the next few months, they'll be needing to hire a new football coach out there. So a lot of questions. Uh, and I guess all we can do now is – uh, pray. And if we do run into Martin at either Rutgers or Clemson or any of our other potential meetings that he's not aware of yet, I don't think, but that we're working on, uh, we will definitely do our best to convince him to uh, continue to stay and make Chestnut Hill what we all you know, know it can be. Yeah. So, and, and obviously the, the popular take here is, you know, he's obviously well connected to Urban Meyer. Clay Helton's days are likely numbered. Although I do have this, this freshman QB that uh, single-handedly beat Stanford, so things might be. Yeah, they look. Up I mean, they USA. look good. They absolutely good. Are they? I think are they ranked this week? Yeah, it wouldn't shock me just because of that. One yeah, I mean, they're, they're exactly they're on prestige and they're two and zero and a win over a top twenty-five. Also, the top twenty-five, as we can get to in Duty's Corpus in a little bit, kind of sucks right now. Like, there's a lot of room on the bottom of that top twenty-five that I think anyone you know anyone two and zero could pop up there and it wouldn't be like an outrage. Right. Right. But his connection to, to Urban Meyer might be an attractive thing for uh, for USC to stop. You're making you know, me. You're so, making sort of, me. Sort of, I don't like. Can you stop no, giving them it, these it, ideas? It by the way, be, it could be a you know decent package deal. They're interested. But in just doing. stop giving USC these ideas. You don't need to incept them. They're. I'm sure they're. And they're USC aware of that. Are, are listeners, so that's something exactly. to think about. Exactly. Um, all right, let's go to a lighter subject here, and let's get to due to the week. I'm. I'll kick it off. So I'm going to go with Zay Flowers this week. Another electric touchdown, 46 yards on the end around. Three touches at the end of the day for 92 yards. This guy's just an absolute lightning factory. Every time he gets anywhere near the ball, something is going to happen. What is a lightning factory? He just he generates lightning. He generates electricity. Uh, so electric factory. Yeah, but I already said electric, I realized earlier in the sentence. We so got a lot of complaints for saying the word electric. You can almost make it a drinking game the number of times that Matt and I <laughs> say the word electric. Sorry to interrupt. Keep going. No, it's all right. I, I was going to say this is somewhat of an honorary due to the week since I think neither of us had him last week when he definitely deserved it. I think it was like a little bit of a you know prisoner's dilemma where we both expected the other one to have it. So he got off without the prestigious due to the week honor. So now he at least has one to put on his trophy case. Yeah, pretty good uh, Pretty good stat line for him so far. Something like seven touches for 200 yards and two touchdowns. It's outrageous. Yeah, it's absolutely outrageous. Pr- pretty good average there. So yeah, I'll, I'll co-sign that one. That's a good one. My due to the week is going to be uh, me, Matt. Um, okay, interesting. So in... in it's a Dewey's-related uh, story as well. So death taxes in Dewey's being incapable of competently streaming a football game. That happened again on Saturday. I made the decision to make the trek up from Philadelphia to go to Dewey's in New York, hang out with Matt and the boys. And uh, and I should have seen it coming. I mean, this is every single year. Dewey's just... And this time, they just didn't even know that it was a, a streaming issue. In previous years, they at least like had technical difficulties. So it was somewhat, you know while still egregious for having a game watch and not being able to watch the game, it was at least understandable. In this case, they just had no idea what was going on. So anyway, long story short, 3.30 rolled around, and I think, Matt, you were first to the scene where you said, uh, hey, I don't think, uh, I don't think they really, I think they think it's on ACC Network. It was so obvious that they were, that they were completely blindsided. So they flipped, they did their whole pregame video that they do at Dewey's, which is this big hype video. And then they flipped all the TVs in the bar to the ACC Network, which was like the Georgia Tech Furman game or something. And it was so obvious that they were just like, they didn't know that anything was going on. And you and I knew it immediately. I'm sure there were plenty of others who knew it immediately, but an absolute disaster. I just, I don't understand how you can be so ill-prepared I mean, that's like your job as the Game Watch Bar is to watch the game, well, right? Tur- like that's it, your single job. It turned into our job, as it has for, I think, three consecutive years now, at least once per year. Um, so I went up to the guy, the DJ, and be like, hey, man, uh, it, you know, it's a, it, you have to go on accnetwork.com and stream the game. 
And uh, we found Dewey. We tracked Dewey down, and he was able to. Uh, after about twenty minutes, they couldn't connect to their own their whole. Uh, they their didn't own... know their Wi-Fi password. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Outrageous. Uh, yeah, and then they couldn't log in. Very long story, but anyway, I'm the dude of the week. I brought Dewey's, or I brought the the BC game to the Dewey's bar. Otherwise, uh, none of you guys would have seen what happened. So I'm the dude of the week this week, Matt. Well, we did miss the first touchdown, and I will again credit to you the fact that you offered to basically use your phone as a hotspot for three hours so two hundred people I, at Dewey's could watch the game. I yeah. mean, that was like a borderline first ballot Hall of Fame move. I have unlimited data now, so I'll tell you what, I'm not afraid to use it. Right? I mean, I guess not. All right, so we have a we have a new segment that we're going to debut this week that I personally am psyched about. I don't know about you, Matt, and your kind of opinion on how you think this is going to go, but. Uh, us, at, us at the Lot of Dudes podcast presented by 4th and Dude have always prided ourselves in our ability to generate awesome nicknames. Obviously, we're the guys that gave you Tony touchdowns. This year, the entire linebacking core has been given a, you know, a nickname you know, by one of us. So we're kind of, a, we're kind of red hot and I think we're feeling really good right now. We came up with two, I think, I think awesome ones personally. Well, hold on, hold on. We got got to pat yourself on the back a little bit more. We we are the ones that brought you the Hamp Cheevers Accords. Very fair. Yeah. Lucas Big Swig and Dennis, Tommy Twelve Inch Sweeney. The list goes on. I mean, this it's kind of our thing. If we're good at one thing, it's nicknames. So yeah, and I would argue that we are good at one thing, and uh, yeah, and and it is nicknames, like you said. So you came up with two this week that I absolutely loved. If you want to knock these out, and then we'll get to the second half of this uh, this segment. Okay, one that I really like, and I, I don't know why Twitter didn't go wild for it. I think you had to be in CSUM, I guess, to, to understand it. But Marcus Valdez had a big, uh, I don't think it was officially a sack. It was a big TFL, TFL though. And this is what I've been kicking around for a while. I One of the things I do preseason, and this is just you know what I do for you guys as far as you know providing content. I always like to look at, who, at the majors of each of the football players, specifically the accounting majors. I like to know who's studying what, you know, I like to know who the finance guys are, you know, who's the marketing majors that took the easy way out, etc. So anyway, so Marcus Valdez is an accounting major. So it sets up perfect because he obviously plays on the D-line and the D-line position sacks the quarterback. And you guys already see where this is going, I think. <laughs> so Marcus Valdez, CPA, cert- so Marcus Valdez, certified public sack accountant. It's perfect. So you guys get it's it. It's perfect. So, yeah, so it's it's better visually because the S is lowercase, so you still keep the C the CPA. Um, you guys get it. So uh, so that's one I'm really excited about. And then uh, Nolan Borgensen, I believe is his name, probably leads the NCAA in spring game production. He's been an absolute spring game legend for for years now. And this year he's you know obviously you know playing well on the football on the on the real football field, which is great to see. Um, and Matt, he has a real nose for the football, so much so that he. Uh, I don't really have a good transition. No, he here, likes to pick. He, he yeah, likes yeah, to yeah, pick. yeah. He likes he, to. All he does is pick. All he does is pick. Hence, Nolan Boogerson. I think it's. I think those are those are absolute genius. I would so, put those right up there with Tony touchdowns. In my and we, we tweeted that one out. So if you guys aren't following us on Twitter, you guys are missing out. So uh, so pound that follow button. But yeah, I don't know if that one's like an everyday thing. But every time, I think Nolan, it's every time he gets an interception, I, I yeah. think that's exactly what it is. And and so excited about that one. Excited about Marcus Valdez, certified public sack accountant. Yeah, it's all looking up, and I I don't know, man. I just I don't see an end in sight. Every single person on this football team, like, has a logical nickname. It's it's well, coming too a, easy this year. That's again another excellent segue. So the second half of this segment is we are going to take every week an eagle that we have not yet given a nickname to, and we are going to come up with one on the spot. So this is the nicknameless eagle of the week. Matt, let's start this week with Tate Haynes. So uh, one of the great players in our secondary had an had a excellent interception on Saturday. He did, yeah. So that's two turnovers in two games for him. He had the forced fumble uh, against VTech. Exactly. So I've got a lot of different options here from the notes in my phone that I was kind of making throughout the day. Again, caveat this, that it was after some of these, not all of these were after many of the Bud Lights at Dewey's and the free beer and all that good stuff that they have there. So they're not all winners. I'll just say that much. But if you want to just kind of run through a couple of your ideas, I can run through a couple of mine, whatever, whatever you, however you want to approach this problem, kind of let me know what, what works for you. This is your segment. You want to do, do you want to do a snake draft? That could be fun. I have three. I have 15. <laughs> do you want me to just, I mean, you run through yours and then no, we'll, no, no. We'll... You, you give yours and then I'll chime in as needed. All right. So I'll save my better ones for last. So again, some of these are horrible. Like I just want to be very clear, but so many things rhyme with both Tate and Haynes that like there just has to be a winner somewhere in here. So uh, let's start with heavyweight Tate, suffocate Haynes or like suffocate Haynes because he suffocates the defense. Something secretary of Tate or like head of Tate or something government secretary of Tate, right? It's not horrible. 
House of Haynes, like House of Pain, Taterade, Gatorade. I got um. So okay, I'll, I'll cut in here before it turn, turns us off. Um, I got Turnover Tate, which is you kind of right down the middle. Matt Turnover Chains, but spelled Haynes. Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. And then uh, my my last one here, and I wanted to get a third in, and this one I just came up with five minutes ago. Pick Tato instead of potato. Potato. Yeah, that's not horrible. Yeah. So. All right, so I had Tate Turner was on my list. He taped me, like he hate me. Oh yeah, that's the that's the winner right there. I like like that. And then I just I need to read out these last uh, these last six because these six? were put in my phone. These were put in my phone much later on in the evening. So the Haynes of existence because he's like the bane of the defenses of the opposition's existence. Uh, Tate Mike from the office. Two Haynes, like two chains. We'll cut um, some of these, I think. I like. I blessed the Haynes down in Africa. Uh, <laughs> And then uh, my personal favorite is just Hain, uh, which next to it I just put Batman. So I think that's a Bane reference. Oh, like Bane, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a couple winners in there. Tate, Tur- Tate, don't move the chains. So I like Boy. Tate. What was what was Tate chain two? Oh, turnover chains. I like that, and I like he Tate me. I would say those are the top two. So we'll take this offline. Yeah, well, I think yeah, I'm I'm ready to do he Tate me. I, I think that one's the best. Maybe we put out okay. a Twitter poll though. Maybe we'll I like Tate chains to be honest. Or no two. What was it two chains? Turnover chains. Turnover chains isn't bad. I it's like that. Bad. Yeah, I'll tell you, Matt, you were really, and, and there's a peep behind the curtain for you guys. Matt was really hyping up this segment the past couple days. And uh, Matt, some of those were really, really, really bad. Just wanna, but some were great, though, right? I mean, yeah. you got to throw it. If you throw enough things against the wall, they're going to get a couple winners. That's just so a fact. I got one um, that's comparably bad. How about, Matt, uh, Zay Flowers? Zaprol showers bring May flowers. I mean, that's electric. Yeah. Let's save it for let's save it for next week. We'll okay. put him on next week. Yeah, perfect. But Sounds I like good. that's a good that's a really good starting point. <laughs> All right, so we'll see how that we'll see how that was received. I think overall that was pretty solid. Um, okay, let's move let's, it back yes. to a little safer ground. Let's get in Eagles in the Wild. Yes, let's <laughs> do that. Um, all right, I'll kick it off. Eagles in the Wild. Obviously, yesterday was the first day, or was it? What's today? Tuesday. Yeah, recording Tuesday. Sunday was the first day of uh, you know a full slate of NFL games, and you had the Tennessee Titans led by Mikey Vrabel and Harold Landry, completely shut down the Cleveland Browns hype. What a game. And I know everyone was was high on Cleveland. I, I like Cleveland this year, but not against Mikey Vrabel, man. Like, what are you, crazy? I think the Titans Titans are the real deal this year. I like Mikey Vrabel's mustache. It's growing in real nice. You got to figure that's a tribute to, to Stevie Adazio. Um, so excited about that. I love that pick. Yeah, I will also mention Zach Allen and Will Harris squaring off in a tie, which for like a neutral BC fan is just great, right? Like you don't want, we love both these guys. We don't want either of them to have to lose. And we obviously don't care about which actual team wins that matchup between the Detroit Lions and the Arizona Cardinals. So them getting in a tie was great. And then I also think we need to give a big shout out to Mike Mayock, who's been all over the news, former BC great, current GM of the Oakland Raiders. Um, he's kind of been a, a little celebrity this summer, appearing in Hard Knocks, Knock on Wood if you're with me, and with the AB news getting basically into a borderline fist fight with AB, who we're, we're Anthony team Brown, <laughs> we're Team Mayock officially, and also Anthony Brown is a more talented AB in the Boston area, which I completely stand by, by the way, because Heisman, I don't think uh, Antonio Brown won a Heisman, so I think we have the trump card there. But just a wild week in that saga, and I love having our guy Mike Mayock right in the center of it. Yeah, 100%. One last Eagles in the Wild. Quick shout out to Bowling Green that is that has become the Boston Yeesh. College Eagles of the Ohio River Valley uh, with Scotty Loeffler. They got absolutely smoked, fifty-two to nothing by Kansas State. Darius Wade and, and Davon Jones were held to like a total of fifty yards, which was the entire Bowling Green offensive production. So not a great look there. But that's Eagles in the Wild. We, we call it how we see them, um, and you know wish those guys the best of luck going forward. But not great. Not great. Uh, and also a get well soon to Chris Lindstrom, first round pick. Feared to have broke his foot in the opener where the Falcons were absolutely atrocious. So that is a shame. But, that line also looked really bad too. But did you see what they did, Matt? They replaced Lindstrom with uh, with our boy John Wetzel. Oh, really? Yeah, they did. So oh, just, let's uh, go. Eagles the Eagles One, one eagle with another. One, one eagle a little more hype than the other. but Fair, but Wetzel, Wetzel can do it all, man. He's like a, he's a Swiss Army knife. I love to see that. He wasn't great on group projects. I'll say okay. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But anyway, um, okay. So I think that does it for for Eagles. Did you have another one, or is that it? No, no, that was all. That was all I had. All right, let's uh, let's take it into the courtroom here, Uh, and court is officially in session here, Matt.
So a quick court session today. We don't have a ton to cover, but there are a few teams that need to be convicted of being absolute frauds like you accused them of earlier. So a great prosecutorial job by yourself. You want to just kick it off with Syracuse, who got absolutely embarrassed this past weekend? I almost have nothing left to say. And I I was speechless, but I actually wasn't because... What, I guess what I was speechless was, was how dumb everyone else is. I, I, you know, obviously I had a lot of hot takes about Syracuse, about how Dungy was their whole team, et cetera, et cetera. But I, you know, I didn't really expect that to be as spot on as it was. I figured, you know, the experts decided to put them at 21 in the country. Everyone was high on them for a reason. But it turns out you guys were all just dummies. I mean, it was the most blatant thing of all time that Dungy willed this team to 10 wins last year single-handedly. And you can't just, you know, get rid of Dungy and expect them to, to pick off where they pick up where they left off. It was never going to happen. Yeah, I would say outside of, you know, the few blue blood programs, Dungy was a legitimate generational talent for, you know, most college programs. Like he was a program changing talent or at least a season changing talent last year. And I completely agree. And the other part that I loved was everyone raving about this defense being like, yeah, well, we're going to lose Dungy, but this defense is going to pick up right where they left off. And they gave up, what, they gave up like 95 points? It was absolutely (laughs) absurd. And it was amazing to watch. And Babers, you know, who by all accounts seems like a likable guy, but I'm a little sick of how much the media, you know, is loving him now when they have Steve Adazio in their backyard. So love to see him get knocked down a peg. And Tommy DeVito just looked absolutely pathetic. And, you know, the other thing I'll say, and, and, you know, we can use this as segue into Florida State, but this back half of our schedule that – I think all offseason, everyone was like, oh, man, we better rack up our wins before Clemson because after Clemson, we're not going to win a game. Matt, this looks like a very, very, very manageable back half. Pitt does not look good. They struggled with Ohio, and they got killed by UVA. Florida State snuck by ULM in a game that they probably should have lost, but uh, that's you know neither here nor there. They still look terrible. Cuse now looks awful. Like it's it's it's. I know we joke, Matt, but like I think I think ten wins is is approaching the expectation at this point. That's kind of what I was I was going to say that. I'm kind of worried about that because uh, you know what's going to happen, right? We're, we're, we're accused is going to turn it around or, or Florida State, probably not Florida State, maybe Louisville, right? They look okay. Yeah, but they look, Louisville looks better than expected, what's but gonna, I don't know what's, if that's... What's, what's going to happen is we're going to lock, we're going to drop one of these games and people are going to pull this card and say, oh, you, you lost to Syracuse at the Dome. Right. They got smoked by Maryland by 43, fired Daz. And that's the part I'm not looking forward to. When we said all we said it all along that that these teams were overhyped and BC was going to have no problem with them, uh, so I guess you know that that's sort of one thing I, I'm putting a bookmark in right now. We'll see how it goes later on in the year. But I was never concerned about this team. We said and go back to the season preview episode. Go back to when we recorded the off season episode in, in February. You know we said what did we say? I think we said Wake Forest was the team to worry about, right? And that's right. proven that's proven to be true. So I mean, I, it really is Wake Forest who hasn't really played anyone. Uh, I guess Utah State Utah is State's not bad. Yeah. NC State's played literally nobody, but they're yep. by default like being thrown up there as the third or fourth best team in the ACC. You know, the Coastal has some promising teams, although I don't really believe the hype with UNC, but UVA looks good. But the Atlantic just sucks so bad, and we've said it every single week. And uh, I don't know, man. I, I think it's ours for the taking. And uh, and even Clemson, if you want to, if you want to get that, I mean, they don't look, they look mortal at least. Their offense was not looks a, mortal. It was not a very impressive. I mean, A and M also looked horrible, but that was not a very impressive win. You know, re- relative to being a top ten win or whatever A and M came in as, but neither team looked good at all. I'm with you, and I am actually pretty excited for. Obviously, we won't be watching it because we have higher priorities. But uh, Wake and UNC are playing in a non-conference matchup on Friday night at six o'clock, so we'll be able to see the first half of that or so before BC kicks off. But yeah, yeah, weird scheduling Kirk there. I love that, by the way. They basically said, well, you know, we're, we're rivals, or at least we're like, we're regional. Like we want right. to play more than seven, you know, once every seven years, yep. but we can't because the ACC has grown to 14 teams. They said, screw it. You know, we'll just, we'll schedule, uh, we'll schedule Wake and, you know, it'll be a non-conference game. And I, I love that. I, I would love to do that more. I'd love to, to play more, you know, Duke and, and those teams more I often. Could, I think dude, it's I agree. Cool. We went to, when we went to UVA, uh, what was it, two years ago? That was that was the fourth and dude road trip of the year. Char- uh, Charlottesville was like one of the coolest college towns I've ever been in my life. I would go there every year if we had a game there every year. So I'm with you. Ubi I, nice feel, I, I feel the same about Chapel Hill. That's a, like Raleigh. I, I love North Carolina. It's one of my favorite. It's probably my second favorite Carolina. Fair um, point. But it's still up there. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to, to play those schools more often. I think it'd be great. Yeah, that's definitely a separate discussion because we go down a lot of rabbit holes about how the ACC can fix their schedule, which I think is 
somewhat inevitable, especially as these conferences continue to grow and things like that, whether it's the pod system or just removal of divisions entirely. But yeah, I think, I think, I think you're absolutely right. The Atlantic right now does not look all that scary. Our schedule does not look all that scary. And the coastal for the normally terrible division actually has, you know, more competition in it than, than what we might see on our side of it. So interesting times in the ACC right now, not the banner conference that I think we all had hoped to be coming in, but where others fall, we have an opportunity and, and, you know, I'll I'll certainly take that opportunity when it presents itself. Yeah. One other scheduling note, Rutgers obviously played Iowa and they didn't even come close to scoring points. So uh, that's something I feel pretty good about. My one concern, I had several Rutgers related concerns, but one being that they brought in this new grad transfer quarterback. Turns out he kind of sucks. So that eases my fears a little bit about Rutgers. Um, Not that I had a ton, but that was one of them. So so that's that's an additional note there. But outside of that, I mean, not not a ton happened this week. It was a you know FBS FCS week for for a lot of teams. So I don't think we learned a ton. Virginia Tech looked okay against Old Dominion. You know, not not dominant like I was hoping. Yeah, so right. To sort of validate our win a little bit. Uh, but I don't. Again, you don't want to read too much into into anything uh, in week two. Right. I'm with you. Um, all right. We ready to close the court and get into Kansas? Yeah. Let's do it. Court's adjourned. <laughs> So before we get into it, Matt, the Kansas preview is brought to you by Blue Chew. Any of you dudes out there looking to increase your performance on and off the field and get that extra confidence you're looking for, listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. You can take them anytime, day or night, after a tailgate or after a mod party. And since they are chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Most guys talk a good game, but Blue Chew helps you follow through. They're prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com. Promo code armchair to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring our Kansas preview. So, Matt, let's get right into it. I'll, I'll kick my fun fact off. I've got a couple of them here for you, uh, if you don't mind. So, Matt, get this. I'm excited about our fun facts. That's Yeah, you don't even need this extra confidence because you are you like your fun facts this that's much. A, that's a Blue Chew pun. Yep, it sure is. Um, nothing like a little male enhancement humor to keep the Kansas uh, preview alive. <laughs> so, in uh, 2003, geographers proved that Kansas is actually flatter than an IHOP pancake. I'm not sure how they did that, but that's a fun fact. That feels not grounded in science, Matt. It does. In 2003, geographers did it, so I, I buy it. Speaking on the geography note, it is the geographic center of the United States, so really the heartland. They produce more wheat than anywhere in the country, uh, one-fifth of all wheat in the U.S. With all the wheat they produce in a year, they could feed the entire world for two weeks, so that's a ton of bread. And then here's a good law from the city of Kansas where, or the city of Lawrence, where the University of Kansas is located. In Lawrence, you must honk your horn to warn the horses when you arrive within city limits. So a little old town road. I kind of like that. I, I like that too. I'll tell you, it's just, it's simpler living out there in the, sure uh, in the yeah, flyover slower. states. Life moves a little slower. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a fun fact, Matt, um, about Lawrence, Kansas as well. Did you know that it was, so Kansas, I think, was established sometime in the mid-1800s during the... Civil, right around 1850s. Yeah, it was in the Civil War era, um, and it came to be because settlers from Massachusetts wanted to go there and kind of put their uh, their stake in the ground, and they wanted to colonize it and make it a free state. The point being, it's, it's really a, a city or a state that was founded by... Uh, no, Lawrence was a city that was founded by Massachusetts colonists, so... Um, as a result of that, you know, when they mapped the town out, they chose Massachusetts Street as sort of their main street, which still exists today. It was kind of their, their main downtown um, main street. And get this, Matt, they made it 20 feet wider than any other street that they built. That's phenomenal. So this game is really the true battle of the Bay State. It really is. Yeah, 100%. Interesting. Okay, I love it. Um, let's move into the top Five plus six man notable alumni again because this is a first time opponent. We can actually go through people, which is easier than things like movies. Before we get into this, I do need to just mention again 
For the record, there are three astronauts that went to Kansas. It feels like I'm in the Truman Show at this point, and like someone just messing with the Wikipedia's beforehand to throw in different astronauts. But I've you know done my follow up research, and I know that's not the case. But literally every single team we play has put someone in space. And Boston College, we haven't had anyone like near a spaceship ever. So I don't know what's going on there. I know we're building a new science institute on campus, so maybe that will help us. But yeah, overall not great. Um, and with that, I'll defer to you for the first pick here in the alumni draft. Okay, um, I got a couple package deals. Uh, I can do him. Uh, so Bill James went to Kansas University. Um, obviously, he was the godfather of analytics and you know the money ball baseball that came to be that never actually really worked. Which people forget about um, the Oakland A's. Never, I don't, I don't think they advanced past what the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, they never got past the DS. Obviously, Theo Epstein sort of adopted it and made it work a little bit, but Billy Bean never did. But Bill James anyway went to went to Kansas. I will say Moneyball is one of those one of those movies. I I love Moneyball. Um, it's one of those movies where it's if it's on on a Sunday afternoon, like I'm I'm gonna watch it. I'm, I'm that's that's my a non football Sunday. That's that's yeah. My I'm day. a big Scott Hatterberg guy in general, and and Chris Pratt. So I think that's a, a perfect winner right there. Jonah Hill, Brad Pitt. It's got everything you want. Um, a little upset as a math guy that you took Bill James for me. I feel like that's kind of a dirty move. If there was like a famous accountant, for example, I don't think I would steal that. But here we are. I'm going to go for my first two picks. Uh, first, Mandy Patinkin, who I think was in The Princess Bride, but most of our younger listeners will recognize him as Saul from the show Homeland, which for my money, season one of Homeland is the single best season of television in history. Wrong. It, qu- it quickly went downhill, I will Wrong. say that much. It quickly went downhill, but season one was absolutely amazing. So I've, I have nothing to add there. That's a weird um, take, Matt. It's, it's also too- weird that you put Saul Berenson ahead of Paul Rudd in... Hey, hey, we'll, can we'll, you not spoil all these? We'll get into the list, but the Saul Berenson's your number two? Are you kidding me? I Again, because of the esteem that I put in season one of Homeland, I'm going to... Yeah, I'm going to go with that. And then, Matt, Matt just as a little just, F.U. to you, I my just third watched. pick here. My yeah. third pick, I'm going to go with Paul Rudd. Just as a little <laughs> F.U. to you. So, good luck. I hope I hope Hold you, I hope you we, have no other good people. Can we just back to- it up quick to your, your Homeland point? I just watched Ballers season three, and that's a better... That's a better season of television than Homeland season one. That is okay. So I'm going to just move on because I don't think I can have an adult discussion with you. It seems like so. Yeah, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd's an absolute riot in everything that he's in. I don't even know what I would say is my favorite Paul Rudd movie. I do love him in Knocked Up when he does the sneaks off for the fantasy baseball draft. I mean, that's just something they get Matsui. But he's a, he's an absolute winner in everything that he's in. I love you, man. That's a great one. That's another really good one that he's in. Forgetting Let Sarah Marshall. Forgetting is, uh, Marshall, he's very funny. That's, yeah. my, that's probably my favorite. He's almost better in those smaller roles where he's he's, I the, agree surf, with you. he's the surfing instructor. That's another movie where like if that one's on, you're gonna watch. Yeah, there's, and that's there's on a all lot the of those. It, all it the time. is. I, and I'll just give you my top three because I've written down here: um, the town, a few good men, and Hitch, which I'm not proud of, but you know. There's the trust tree. So those are my okay. three movies that if they're on, I'm going to watch. That's fair. National Treasure is the leader on my list. I, I, I call my list the National Treasure list. So that's a phenomenal one. But because we do have some football to get into, let's move this on. You go with the fourth overall pick here, your second pick. Okay. Rob Riggle um, was a Kansas guy. And he's another, he's kind of cut from the Paul Rudd mole. Or Paul, he's cut from the Paul Rudd. I don't know what I'm trying to. Mold. Mold, mold is right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think I got. It. Yeah, okay. Um, where he's like really, really good in, in supporting roles. Uh, we talk about the hangover where he's the cop and he shoots, uh, Zach Galifianakis. He's awesome in Step Brothers. Uh, he's great in the other guys. He's also, you know, served in the military for, you know, a couple decades, which people forget, but he's, uh, he's an all around great guy. It's a really good get for them. And then number four, hey Matt, here's another F Number five. Number five. Here's another F you to you. Um, Clyde Tombaugh, who discovered Pluto. I mean, yeah, but he, did he go to space? Uh, he didn't go, but he discovered Pluto. Well, maybe that's he pretty, did, actually. I, I, I don't know. Someone, someone, that's a someone at deal. Kansas, too. Uh, and I don't want to spoil the honorable mentions just yet, but someone uh, at Kansas discovered helium. So they've got a good little science department there when in the middle of nowhere, I guess, when you have, have nothing like, else to do. must have been in, like, was, the 1400s. Uh, 1905. That feels late to discover helium. It does. I, I don't know what they did for balloons before then. That's why it was so sad in the 1800s. Um, all right, for the sixth and final pick, I will go with Dr. James Naismith, the inventor of basketball. He didn't go there, Matt. Uh, I think he did. Nope. He went to – because I, I actually searched this one out. Um, he went to McGill. He's a, he's a Canadian – Oh, all right. All right. Well, I'll cancel that pick then. And no, you I will go, go with, it, with it's just wrong. No, I'll go with I'll go with Gary Woodland, uh, the US <laughs> Open winner. Yikes. Uh, he was he was on my honorable mentions. 
And then the only other honorable mentions I have, so they have a winner of Survivor Guatemala, who's also Miss USA, Danny Boatwright. If you can have a winner of Survivor, like there's only been, I think, 28 seasons so far, that's phenomenal. Spoiler alert, we have a member of the class of 2013 from Boston College in this upcoming fall season of Survivor. Phenomenal show. I recommend everyone get back into it. But yeah, there's only been 28, well, less than 28 because there's been a couple of multiple winners. So probably like 26 winners overall. So very impressive. But yeah, be on the lookout for an eagle on this coming season. And then Kevin Harlan, uh, a great announcer, and also in the voice world, Tom Kane, who's the voice of Yoda and the Walt Disney World monorail. That's uh, pretty good. I mean, pretty good. Th- this is one of the more loaded ones, which I didn't see coming. Pretty strong. Yeah, pretty strong. Any, have, any Power 5 school always is going to have something. That's true. I mean, they probably have like 30,000 30, people. That, or maybe not, because no one really lives out there. But anyway, uh, Kate Spade is also, which I didn't see coming at all, um, who makes very overpriced purses. And then I have a note on James Naismith, and I, I know I know we do have to move on to football. Did you, did you did you know, Matt, that he's the only basketball coach in Kansas history to have a losing record, and he literally invented the sport. He would fit right in at Boston College. Yeah, it's it's that's that's funny. That's yeah. <laughs> so for it's not funny. It's funny because it's unfortunate. Yes. Um, all right. So in the effort to eventually get to football, I'm going to run through my tailgate ability very fast. So I just want to, first of all, apologize for last week. The challenge that we now try to record on Sunday and Monday nights is that the forecasts are obviously more volatile a week out. So I missed an opportunity last week to talk about Hurricane Dorian and the potential effects it would have had on the tailgate on Saturday morning, though. I think it ended up hitting the Boston area earlier Friday night than originally expected. So the tailgate, from what I could tell, seemed pretty nice overall, um, which was great. Moving on to this week. The Friday night looks like an absolutely perfect fall weather afternoon. Crystal clear, crisp, bone dry, high of 69, uh, start of tailgate, 62 at kickoff, dipping into the 50s by the end of the game, maybe just a light jacket, couple, a couple of beers to warm the system. I can't get over that weather. That's like absolutely everything you want. Uh, it's a terrible opponent, but power five, so that still is better than nothing. You know, maybe get some a few local alums or something like that to add to the flavor of the tailgate, make it a little more fun. Undefeated, like you say, always gets a, a big bump. Personally, I love the Friday game when I lived in Boston because like leaving at work at three o'clock to go tailgate is literally a, a, a top 100 feeling in the world. Like there's nothing more exciting than that. But I do understand it's hard for people who work maybe outside of the city or coming not from downtown or who have you know jobs that don't let them leave at three o'clock to maximize it. So that's, a, I guess, a slight knock overall, but still undefeated fall weather, night game, pretty easy win. So a stress-free tailgate. I'm going 23.6. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much right there with you. I actually have nothing on my list that you didn't say, so I'll just give you my, my prediction. Uh, 24.7, and I call it a prediction because I will be going to this tailgate. I'll be on Brighton, I think, but I might be in between Brighton and the mod lot, so... Um, so come find me. I'll have I'll have koozies on me. So yeah, a little um, bit I'll of a be- little bit of a little bit of a plug actually. If there's anyone in the Midtown Manhattan area on any time on Thursday and they want to shuttle like 50 koozies up to other Matt in Chestnut Hill for the Friday night, so he can hand some out. Obviously, you'd get to keep some for your group and all that. Definitely slide in the DMs because we are looking for a mule to ship again 50 plus or so up to uh, up to the Brighton area. We'll have a ton of Deweys as well, but the Party in the Modes koozies are getting in tomorrow, and let me just say that they look absolutely incredible. Yeah, 100%. So uh, so let us know. Send us a, send us a message, and we'll, we'll find you, or, or you can find us. We'll figure it out. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you on the Fridays. Can't wait for that. I'm playing golf Friday morning. It's shaping up to be a pretty good Friday for me, Matt, so um excited about that and it's a winnable game it's a game we we will win we should win we will win <laughs> i think i think it's a little beyond winnable y- yeah so so that always that always helps too so i got 24.7 um and yeah looking looking forward to that all right so we're running out of show here so let's talk a little bit of football and everyone knows the story with kansas they've had you know a tough decade but you think about it i mean as as recent as 2007 these guys were the orange bowl champs and and you know bc and, and kansas were sort of had their stars crossed that, that year in 2007, they both sort of peaked, both ranked at number two in the country at different points that season. So that's sort of... Kansas was up to number two at one point? Yeah, they, they went like 11 and one. Was that under the, uh, the the big coach? The, what was yeah, his name? Mangino. They had, Mangino, uh, yep. It was Mangino. They had uh, Todd Reesing. Uh, I don't know. Someone at quarterback. And they had Aqib Tlaib as their kind of star wow. uh, defensive player. Yeah, they were loaded. But yeah, they they won the Orange Bowl. They beat they they beat the Hokies, and yeah, I don't think they finished it. They didn't finish at number two, but they were number two at one point. As was like University of South Florida that year. That year was that insane. was a weird year. Yep, that um, was a weird year. But anyway, um, so going back to last year, they they fired David Beatty, who had gone a uh, six and forty two in his tenure, which is 
Jim Christian-esque, if you ask me. Um, they hired Les, Les Miles kind of out of nowhere to, to right the ship. So this year, they're 1-1. One and one. They're coming off a very disappointing loss to the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina, uh, losing 12-7. to seven. Coastal Carolina, that was their first Power 5 win in school history, so not exactly what Yeesh. Les Miles had in mind. Uh, and, you know, coming into the year, people tried to draw parallels between Les Miles and, and Mac Brown, who, you know, just started at, at UNC. You know, both, you know, successful coaches coming out of retirement. And uh, let's just say the uh, the directions that those programs are going in are, seem to be a little bit different so far. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. This is, I would imagine that we are looking at this game the same way Kansas would look at a basketball matchup with us. An easy win, but it's still a Power 5 conference opponent, so that's, like, exciting. Honestly, similar to our Richmond preview, there's just not a ton to add here. I will say that I think Les Miles... He, he certainly will help to get the ship at least, you know, presentable. Uh, I'm sure he's a phenomenal recruiter just from his days at LSU. And, and they always had, you know, good teams. But I think in the big picture of a, in terms of a, a in-game coach, he's severely overrated. A lot of that is thanks to the SEC bias, but his game management is not great. But he gets great players, so maybe he can rebuild. But fortunately, we don't have to worry about that this weekend. Overall, their offense stinks. Carter Stanley is QB1 for now. Came off 107 yards, zero touchdown performance against Coastal Carolina. Officially not great. As a whole, they're averaging 15.5 points per game against wildly inferior opponents. Again, not great. Running game is a little better. Khalil Herbert averaging like seven yards per carry so far, which actually is not bad. And then they've got a four-star running back behind him who is, I think, younger, so not doing as much. So the cover Puka is, Williams, the, the criminal, Puka Williams. Oh, he's a criminal? Yeah, he got suspended for uh, domestic assault Ooh. or whatever, something like that. Yeah, not great. Yeah, bad guy. Okay, so overall, this is the cupboard is pretty bare. This is not Power 5 talent, so this is not an LSU Les Miles team, obviously. Defense gets a little better, uh, giving up 328 yards per game against two bad teams. So I don't think that's you know a, a, a huge cause of concern for our offense. They haven't played anyone near the talent of Anthony Brown or A.J. Dillon or Zay Flowers. It's just a different beast than Coastal Carolina, which is, again, no offense to our guy, Shake Outlaw. Uh, anything else you have to add on Kansas? Again, it was pretty quick because there's not a lot to tackle there. But. Yeah, I'll say this. And you, you mentioned Les, uh, Les Miles not being a great in-game coach. Um, if you think about it, there's a ton of similarities between Les Miles and Steve Adazio. Both have you know very large personalities. They're you know well-liked by players and coaches. They have... Uh, you know, they employ a physical style that's predicated on, you know, the running game, strong offensive line, heavy use of tight ends. Both have caught a lot of flack from fans uh, for what's viewed as an outdated approach. And that led to his downfall at LSU ultimately. So there are a lot of similarities between these coaches, I think. So I think it's sort of a neat game from that standpoint. Obviously, the difference being less is in game three doesn't have the personnel in place, to, and it's Kansas. They had nothing to begin with, whereas Daz is, is sort of coming alive in year seven, obviously. So uh, I think you hit on all the, all the key points. Defensively, they, they lost their entire front seven. So to me, this this is a grounded pound type game for AJ. I think AJ could go off, you know, 200 yards, four touchdowns, something that we're all waiting to see. But it just depends if he, you know, you know, I, again, I don't want to overlook these guys, but it might be another game where he only plays through halftime and you get Bailey in there, you get maybe Garwo in there too, and, and get those guys some, some minutes as well. But overall, I mean, our, our strength is in the run game and the offensive line, and their front seven is, is not their strength, obviously. So, you know, I like the ground and pound game for, for this. And um, I'm really all, not all that worried. One thing I will say is there's a lot of Rutgers hype that's starting already. And we know that a lot of our guys are from Jersey. And what I don't want to happen is obviously for these guys to be looking ahead a week. You know, it's it's funny to call uh, Kansas a trap game for Rutgers. But, you it's know, it's not, it, not it, great. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's really not. But I'm, this is just kind of ultra. You know, we, we saw what happened last year when our guys weren't 100% focused. And, you know, I, I've been saying all year that these cupcakes won't go 100% according to plan. Something will go wrong. They'll have to deal with some adversity. So just want to make sure we're fully focused on the game. I will add, too, that Les Miles is a good coach, and uh, he's got nothing to lose. He's in year zero. So, you know, it could be a situation where he views this as a marquee win, and uh, he, he goes for it. So, again, don't want to take these guys too lightly, but uh, we should be able to out-physical them and, and really, you know, dominate them in the trenches and set up the run game and uh, put up some points. Yeah, so the line right now is, like you said, up from 18 and a half. It's, it's up to 21 and a half. Over under 53, which gives it an implied score of around 37 to 16. That personally, I think, feels slightly generous to Kansas. Again, who only put up seven at Coastal. Overall, I think we, I think we do run away with this. And I think we come out 48 to 10 is my final number. So not only over hit somewhat comfortably, although the over is a little tight at you know, only five points over, but the, 
Eagles cover the spread with a significant amount of, of room to spare. Yeah, I, I originally had something in that range, like 38 to 17 or something like that. And then I realized if these guys only put up seven against a team that's called the Chanticleers, that ain't happening against us. So I got Eagles 38, Jayhawks 3, and uh, and we're on to Rutgers. So you're taking the under here for the record. Uh, Yeah, but I'll tell you. Significantly. You know, I mean, that's I, a significant under. Well, sometimes I say that now, and then when the juices get flowing, I uh, I have a hard time taking the under. It takes the fun out of gambling. So uh, so we'll see. Stay tuned on that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just don't see Kansas put up enough points. So unless we yeah. go nuts, uh, yeah, I think it could be an under situation. Okay. I don't think that's a that's a that's not a crazy take, but I'm on the other side of that. So I guess we'll see uh, next week. But thanks again to our sponsors, Blue Chew and MyBookie. That's BlueChew.com, promo code armchair. And when betting on the birds to take the, to take the points and uh, the hit the over, Unlike Matt, that is mybookie.ag and use promo code chair. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at fourth and dude on both. And as always, be sure to keep an eye on our guys at Eagle Insiders BC 24 7. They're going to have a lot of good uh, content this week, despite it being a, a lower tier opponent. Definitely churning out a ton of stuff. And the recruiting trail is heating up. We're getting recruits left and right. Every, this is the season where all the official visits are happening. So they got a lot of stuff to, to keep an eye on there. Hope to see everyone on Friday night. Like we said, Matt will be manning the lot up in uh, Chestnut Hill, and I'll be at the usual fourth and dude table at Dewey's. Plenty of koozies to give away from both of us, so come say hi to either of us. I guess what? Just look for the koozies to find us? Is there a more descriptive hint we can give? No, that's pretty much it. I guess not, right? Like I don't know how to describe how we look. I'm in a game day polo, probably. I don't know. Where the guys uh-huh. yelling dude alert, probably. Where the, we, yeah, if you hear dude alert, come find us. All right, thanks again for listening. Matt, the road to Charlotte keeps rolling on. It's a dude alert, folks.